Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Christy D. Vigili. She is the program director of Alternative Solutions at the Florida Citizens Alliance. We'll be talking about micro schools, kind of an interesting concept. Uh, and very practical as well. We'll visit with Marina Berkovich. Uh, she wrote uh, the, her, her book about my life through my dresses, uh, live, growing up in Soviet Russia and the Soviet Union and then migrating to the United States and appreciating her freedom so much. She's the uh, founder of the Southwest Florida Jewish uh, uh, Historical Society. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government, and then Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, always look forward to his commentary on what's happening locally as well. It is July the 20th, and on this day in 1969, American astronaut Neil Armstrong, 240,000 miles from Earth, spoke the words to more than a billion people listening at home, that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Stepping off the lunar module Eagle, Armstrong became the first human to walk on the uh, surface of the moon. The American effort to send astronauts to the moon had its origins in the famous appeal of President John F. Kennedy made to a special joint session of Congress on May the 25th, 1961. He said, I believe this nation should commit itself to achieving the goal before this decade is out of landing a man on the moon and returning him safely to Earth. At the time, the United States was still trailing the Soviet Union's space developments, and Cold War-era America welcomed Kennedy's bold proposal. NASA and its thousands of workers forged ahead, and in October 1968, Apollo VII, uh, the first unmanned or the first manned Apollo mission, orbited Earth and successfully tested many of the sophisticated systems needed to conduct a moon journey and landing. In uh, December of the same year, Op Apollo 8 took three astronauts around the far side of the moon and orbited 10 times before returning. And in March 1969, Apollo 9 uh, uh, tested the lunar module for the first time while Earth in Earth's orbit. <clears throat> then in May, the three astronauts of Apollo 10 took the first complete Apollo spacecraft in 31 orbits around the moon in a dry run for the scheduled July uh, landing. On July the 16th, with the world watching, Apollo 11 took off from Space Kennedy uh, uh, Center with astronauts Neil Armstrong, Edwin Aldrin, and Michael Collins aboard. Armstrong, a 38-year-old research pilot, was the commander of the mission. After traveling 240,000 miles in 76 hours, Apollo 11 uh, entered uh, a lunar orbit on July the 19th. The next day, the lunar module Eagle, manned by Armstrong and Aldrin, separated from the command module where Collins remained. Two hours later, the Eagle began its descent to the lunar surface, and at 4.18 p.m., the craft touched down on the southwestern edge of the, edge of the Sea of Tranquility. Armstrong immediately radioed the mission control in Houston and said, The Eagle has landed. At 10.39 p.m., five hours ahead of the original schedule, Armstrong opened the hatch of the lunar module, and he made his way down the lunar module ladder. A television camera attached to the craft recorded his progress and beamed the signal back to Earth, where hundreds of millions watched in the great anticipation. And at 10.56 p.m., he spoke his famous quote, which he later contended was slightly garbled by the microphone and meant to be, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. He then planted his left foot on the gray powdery surface, took a cautious step forward, and humanity had walked on the moon. Buzz Aldrin joined him uh, on the moon surface at 11.11 11 p.m., and together they took photographs of the terrain, planted a U.S. flag, ran a few simple scientific tests, and spoke with President Richard Nixon. And by 1.11 a.m. on July the 21st, both astronauts were back in the lunar module, and the hatch was closed. The two men slept that night on the surface of the moon, and at 1.54 p.m., the Eagle began its ascent back to the command module. Among the items left on the moon were the plaque that read, Here men from the Earth first set foot on the moon, 
uh, July 1969 A.D., we welcome, we came in peace for all mankind. So interesting. And it, uh, a little bit uh, eccentric uh, to think that uh, <laughs> there are so many moons in this universe, it's unbelievable. But nevertheless, they left that plaque. At 5.35 p.m., Armstrong and Aldrin successfully docked and rejoined Collins. And at 12.56 p.m., on July the 22nd, Apollo 11 began its journey home, safely splashing down in the Pacific Ocean on July the 24th. There'd be five more lunar successful uh, lunar missions, and on one unplanned lunar swing by on Apollo 13, the last men to walk on the moon, astronauts uh, Gene Cernan and uh, Harrison Smith of the Apollo 17 mission, left the lunar surface on December the 14th, 1972. The Apollo program was a costly and labor-intensive endeavor involving an estimated 400,000 engineers, technicians, and scientists, and costing $24 billion, which, of course, is a lot more money in today's dollars. The expense was justified by Kennedy's 1961 mandate to beat the Soviets to the moon, and after the feat was accomplished, ongoing missions lost their viability. On the seventh anniversary of Apollo the 11th lunar landing, the uh, Viking 1 lander, an unmanned U.S. planetary probe, successfully landed on the surface of Mars. I mean, I have the feeling we're just getting started with this sta uh, space program after being dormant for so many years. Now it looks like private industry is getting involved, and we can thank so many people for their efforts to... Uh, extend what we know about space and the, and the pictures we're getting back from this uh, space uh, telescope is just unbelievable well governor ron DeSantis announced the early pay down of 400 million dollars of the state's debt through the debt reduction program which was championed by the governor through the framework freedom uh, for freedom budget the program serves to reduce state debt by accelerating the payoff of bonds prior to maturity, avoiding subsequent interest costs. The early payoff announced today will save Florida taxpayers nearly $34 million. While Washington is governed irresponsibly and ballooned the national debt, the free state of Florida is providing a blueprint for fiscal responsibility, said Governor Ron DeSantis. We put Floridians a front and center in every decision we make and are proud to continue saving the money through smart fiscal policy. When accounting for today's <coughs> announcement, Florida has now paid down approximately $5 billion in state debt since Governor DeSantis took office with additional payoffs expected over the next fiscal year. Pretty amazing. Again, we're paying down our debt here in Florida, in the free state of Florida, while that balloons, the debt balloons in Washington, D.C. <coughs> The Biden administration has allowed an unprecedented roughly 500,000 migrants to come to the United States via the expansion of the entry programs. At least 541,000 migrants lacking visas have been granted entry into the country in less than two years through the use of what's known as parole, according to CBS News, which cited internal government statistics, court records, and public reports. The use of parole authority has been part of the Biden administration's plan to address the surge of illegal immigration at the southern border. The Biden administration expected to continue to increasingly use parole authority and to expand its programs to allow uh, migrants from Colombia, El Salvador, Guatemala, and Honduras with relatives in the U.S., according to the Department of Homeland Security. So it's a workaround. We want people we don't want uh, we want people coming in across our border according to the Biden administration and we're going to do everything we can to hey there's nothing here <laughs> they forgot parole unbelievable breaking the law well president biden appeared to deteriorate rapidly during a meeting with israeli president isaac herzog this week according to multiple reports joe biden met with the israeli president at the White House in an attempt to smooth over what has been a rough relationship with a longtime American ally. As the press corps looked on, the U.S. president's head drooped down dramatically and his speaking became incoherent. Biden began by claiming that he brought Israelis and Palestinians together on a political level. That in and of itself is hard to understand. 
He has done nothing of the sort with the people, two people and two groups. But that's not the most confusing part of the Biden gaffe. According to reports, Biden was visibly confused and disoriented during the meeting. He also was struggling to speak clearly and coherently. He started to mumble as he stared at his lap. At one point, Biden reportedly asked Herzog the same question three times in a row. Herzog reportedly tried to answer the question each time, but Biden seemed to forget what he had asked. The meeting was eventually ended early. Well, of course, this isn't the first time this has happened. In 2022, while doing an interview with MSNBC, Biden suffered a similar lapse in which he, his head started to drop and he looked entranced. The White House has not yet released a statement about Biden's health, but it's pretty clear he's not well. And this is not the first time that Biden's health has been a cause for concern. Uh, the concerns about Biden's health, of course, have led to some speculation about whether he's fit to be president. However, the White House has repeatedly insisted that Biden is healthy and he's able to fulfill his duties as president. Kind of embarrassing on the world stage, isn't it? Having the guy come to fall off, having, asking the same question three times and not remembering it's been asked. It's uh, pretty incredible. And the, the IRS whistleblower who came forward to testify before Congress on Wednesday confirmed claims by the White House Republicans that Hunter Biden and his companies raked in over $17 million from foreign sources over several years beginning while he was father was vice president. The House Oversight Committee interviewed two IRS whistleblowers allegedly alleging political misconduct through the Hunter Biden investigation. Special Agent Joseph Ziegler, who is identify, who, uh, his identifier revealed during the hearing, and his IRS supervisor, Gary Shapley, who previously uh, blew the whistle on alleged political influence surrounding the prosecutorial decisions throughout the year-long federal probe in the president's son. Ziegler told committee chairman James Comer that Hunter Biden, his family members, and business associates received over $17 million due to business dealings in China, Ukraine, and Romania. Also, Hunter Biden was given preferential treatment by the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney David Weiss. IRS whistleblower uh, Joseph Ziegler told CBS News Wednesday, adding that it's up to the prosecutor and judge whether to pause Biden's plea deal. Ziegler, whose name was withheld in closed-door interview transcripts released uh, earlier by Republicans refer referred to by the committee as wh Whistleblower X, said Wednesday decided to come forward publicly, not as a hero or victim, but to uh, but compelled to d disclose the truth. Uh, what this commentary really reveals is <clears throat> how this all happened. Uh, it, it's pretty clear that uh, instructions came from above, perhaps Biden. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe it's the... Uh, Attorney General say, well, you can't ask these questions. Don't go there. Uh, you know, in fact, he told uh, Catherine Herridge, he said, uh, and in this case, no, I don't think so. Ziegler said, uh, are, <coughs> he, but at the end, are, is the matter of, of are we treated everyone the same? And he said, uh, no. And is that the case? CBS News said, no. Well, the point being uh, that... Uh, they're working around, and uh, Hunter Biden was protected, and the uh, these whistleblowers were not allowed to do their job, and that's the important conclusion of all this. Uh, it's hopefully justice will be done. We've seen what's happened with uh, President Donald Trump and the attacks on him using lawfare in order to attack him, and meanwhile protecting Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Uh, there's something terribly wrong with this picture. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our very special guest, uh, Christy Davidgeli. She is a program director of Alternative Solutions. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lula Bee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. 
Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. Hearing that Lulabee's uh, Diner commercial just reminds me that uh, they're serving dinner now, not only great breakfast and lunch, but dinner Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu is great. The food is delicious. It's a great value. Don't need a reservation, and it's informal, so just come in and enjoy great food at Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree uh, Shopping Center. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Marina Berkovich, uh, she wrote the book, uh, My Life and My Dresses Growing Up in the Soviet Union. Right now we have with us Christy D. Vigili. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. She's the Program Director of Alternative Solutions at the found- at the, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Christy, thank you so much for joining us. Bob, thank you so much for having me, and you did a great job pronouncing my last name. <laughs> okay, thank you, Christy. So tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Oh, I would be happy to. Uh, well, the Florida Citizens Alliance uh, is a, a nonprofit, 501c3. We've been around uh, I, for many, many years now. I don't even know. I can't even remember when Keith, when Keith and Rick started the place. But the, uh, we all know that our public education system is, is failing our students you know, academically, civically, and morally, and that our kids are being indoctrinated in a public school system that undermines their individual rights and destroys our nation's founding principles and family values. And, and what I love about Florida Citizens Alliance is that our goal, uh, our vision, our mission is to inspire families throughout the state of Florida to educate their kids in a biblical worldview and to support the creation of public school alternatives. And you know, it's, it's great because uh, we're motivated every time we see a child and their parents take ownership of their education, which is why we strive to, uh, to educate parents on their options so they feel empowered. Yeah. To, to make the very best decisions for their family. Well, thank you, Chris. You can, I can understand and feel your enthusiasm for it. I actually am a founding member of the Florida Citizens Alliance, and I recall the very first meeting. I think it's about 10 or 11 years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the point is they're doing absolutely great work, and uh, Pastor Rick and uh, Keith Flaw, the co-founders, have just done a great job of building influence and gaining, and gaining uh, really uh, traction in Tallahassee with the governor and with the uh, Department of Education, Commissioner of Education, and with the legislature. So really appreciate uh, the work that you're doing. It's goflca.com is the website, goflca.com. So, Christy, you have a program uh, about called Micro Schools. Maybe you can tell us about it. I would be happy to. So, yes, we uh, just recently launched, at the beginning of this year, we launched our Micro School Initiative. 
And uh, through this initiative, we have an, our ambassador program. And uh, just a very short synopsis of what our ambassadors do is you know, we, have, we have these local county ambassadors. Uh, we're, we're trying to be in every county throughout the state of Florida, and we're in about five or six of them now. And uh, our ambassadors act as consultants. Uh, guiding parents and community members and really whoever whoever's looking to get their kids out of public school, uh, guiding them through that process because it can be a little confusing. Absolutely. So the concept is to get parents together and instead of taking on homeschooling or maybe something that may seem very overwhelming to a parent, they're able to kind of share resources. And uh, so how does it work? Well, typically when somebody gives gets in touch with us, uh, we have a questionnaire that we run through, uh, run through with them, and we ask them a, 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 a plethora of questions because, you know, it, pulling your kids out of public school and, and making a different choice or different decision for them in regards to their education, that can be a very overwhelming yeah. uh, topic. Right. And, and our ambassadors, we've, we, our, our organization has spent a considerable amount training each one of our ambassadors and each one of the curriculum providers that we've partnered with and vetted, um, and then and training them in the different uh, legal aspects that it takes to, to start, start either a micro school or some other form of, of, of alternative education. And our ambassadors are there to, to, to walk with them and, and really help them you know, with every decision throughout that process, you know, do we do we want to incorporate? Do we want to be a micro a, a micro school or a co-op? Do we what? Well, which curriculum should we go with? What kind of schedule should we pick? I mean, our ambassadors are are, are equipped to answer um, all all of these questions, and if they're not, they do their uh, they do their best to find the answers for them. Well, that's terrific, Christy. So let's suppose you have a group of uh, fa- uh, family. Uh, say six, seven, eight, ten families uh, in, in an area, they want to get together and uh, share resources and do this uh, and start a micro school. How does it work? Do they, do they hire a teacher? Do they have a, a special curriculum that they use? How does it work? Well, there's a lot of different ways that you can do it. Um, and you don't even need ten families. Uh, you, if you've got two or three families that want to get together and, and do life and education with their kids together, I mean, that right there is micro school. And, and really, the choices are endless, and that's why it's great to have an ambassador because, you know, you really can choose whatever you want. If you want to choose to have uh, a tutor come in and teach the group uh, you know, for you, great, you can do that. If you've, you know, chosen a curriculum that's pretty self-explanatory and has uh, really good instructional manuals, I mean, we work, we partner with an organization or with a curriculum provider called My Father's World, and they offer a turnkey extremely affordable curriculum that you can literally it's like it's it's like education for dummies you can open the book and it tells you read this say this do this cut this and education happens it really is a lot easier than we've all been brainwashed to believe well uh, or just uh, without the information you just find the whole concept overwhelming this is so interesting christy so uh if our listeners wanted to follow up on this how can we get information well, the first thing, if it were me, what I would do is I would go to www.goflca.org, and you, you'll see information about our micro-school initiative everywhere. Uh, I would look for the little, little contact, me, contact us button, and I would get in touch with us because you know, there, there are a ton of questions that, you could, that uh, you could ask and that we would love to help you find the answers to, um, especially you know, right now we've got all, we just had this uh, House Bill 1 passed, and, you know, we've got a lot of parents out there that are now seeing that there's a chance for them to get their kids out and they can do so uh, without it having to cost them an arm and a leg. And, and we really would love to help them, you know, through that process. And this is all approved by the uh, Florida Department of Education. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is that it's not that it doesn't have to be approved by the Florida Department of Education because uh, these are are, our rules and laws and statutes that have been in existence for many, many years in the state of Florida. You know, micro schools fall under homeschool law uh, because it is a parent led uh, or parent led um, education. And because of that, you know, it doesn't need to be uh, it doesn't need to be um, what sort I'm looking at. doesn't need to check all of the Department of Education's boxes because gotcha. it checks the Constitution. <laughs> gotcha. Christy, individually, again, I encourage you to go, uh, our listeners, to go to goflca.com. 
And while you're at it, make a contribution if you can, because it's just a terrific organization. They've done so much to improve education, the quality of education here in the state of Florida. Christy, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to meet with uh, one of my good friends. Is such an interesting woman, Marina Berkovich. She uh, grew up in Soviet Russia. And uh, now she has come here enjoying her freedom in the United States in the free state of Florida. As uh, She's written a book about it. It's called My Life Through My Dresses. And she's the founder of the Southwest Florida Jewish Historical Society. That We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratuscale Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. You're a valued professional RN. There's a path that takes you to the next level. Hodges University offers an RN to BSN program that, like you, is way above average. RNs with a BSN have a faster track to pursuing leadership positions and can see faster hourly rate increases than those with an ASN. You can earn your BSN with Hodges in just one year. Classes are online and start in August. Scholarships are available. Become the next level nursing professional. Do more. Earn more. Be more. Visit Hodges.edu today. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get tickets. The website is golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, we're going to visit with Marina Berkovich. Marina grew up in uh, Ukraine, I believe, in Soviet Russia and uh, wrote a book about it. It's called My Life Through My Dresses. She's also the founder of the Southwest Florida uh, Jewish Historical Society. Marina, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you so much for inviting me, Bob. Always love being on your show. Oh, thank you, Marina. So uh, we're seeing so much going on right now in, in Ukraine. A lot of people are resisting the whole notion that we should be there. Others support it and embrace it. Uh, I was wondering if you could comment, give us your thoughts, having grown, and I believe you grew up in Ukraine, if I'm not mistaken. I am from Kiev, which is the capital of Ukraine. When I was growing up, it was USSR, but it was still Ukrainian SSR. So, uh, so what are your thoughts about what's going on right now? It's a very sad state of affairs there, because um, the one thing that I know for certain is that the Russian people and Ukrainian people will never be friends again, which is historically, um, it's the same people that split up into these two ethnic groups as the passage of time occurred. And um, it's a very unfortunate thing. There are so many intermarriages. There are so many people from both ethnicities living across the borders in either of the countries and around the world. And it's very sad to know that we are witnessing the end of that friendship. Uh, do you have family still in Ukraine, in Kiev? Yes, I do. Yes, I do. My Some of my family still remains there, and they have no intentions of le- leaving it. And um, they're very happy there. And even though there is a war going on, they don't seem to be affected. That's so interesting. So, Marina, uh, do they support the war effort? Are they? Uh, what's their thought and opinion about the uh, b- the battle that's going on? I think that, you know, over there they don't view it in terms of support of the effort. They view it in terms of the enemy is Russia, and we hate all the Russians, 
and um, their enemy number one, and uh, this hatred that's cre- that's been created as a result of this war, um, it's it's not you know didn't didn't uh, didn't come into existence from this war. It's been in existence for at least twenty years, actively through propaganda, and uh, both in Ukraine and in Russia, people's uh, brains were so impacted that by the time the war actually physically took place, and of course, especially in Ukraine, which is being bombed and which was devastated well, in some places as a result of this war, they 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 only fo- are focused on the hatred at the moment, oh. which, you know, I cannot judge that because we're not being bombed, and I don't know what I would have felt like in their place had I been bombed right. or my country has been bombed. But unfortunately, that's the place in psychological space where they are at. They are also very in support of their president, Zelensky, and everything he does. They think that the world must help them and um, is not helping them enough, Um, which, in my personal opinion, the world has helped them more than it has ever helped practically any nation on Earth, especially... You know, get very discombobulated by the, the comparison between the Jews of the World War II period who were, you know, destroyed and uh, killed in mass quantities and nobody in the world except one country yeah. during the AVM conference. Only Dominican Republic offered 100,000 Jews to have a home in Dominican Republic. Otherwise, all the Jews were killed. They had no, no escape. Um, and the comparison between Ukraine and um, that Jewish situation of World War II, in my opinion, is horrendous because the world has welcomed Ukrainians with open arms. That is so interesting, Maria. Just uh, the other uh, topic on my mind is that uh, it just appears to me that we're kind of losing the quality of our life. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, the freedom, the uh, constitutional rights of Americans, they're, they're all being threatened, I think, by the current political atmosphere. And uh, having grown up in Ukraine and Soviet Russia, what if you could uh, comment on the comparison? So I've been comparing America, United States of America, to the Soviet Union for the last 43 years that I've been living here. And the more time has gone on, the more similarities I've found between the two societies and right now is that basically the high point in that comparison because the last thing people with um, intellectual abilities were thinking about on the evening of November 6, 1917, the night before the October Revolution happened that brought Bolsheviks in power, um, the last thing they were thinking is that it's going to be a permanent effect. Um, they did not think how the slow change has impacted their society. And then, boom, it was done. And Americans are in the same predicament right now. It's been slowly happening. It also does not happen overnight. Gradually, one after another, rights were given away um, through lobbyists in Congress, in Senate, you know, whomever the powers are, uh, are being are serving, no longer serving the people, but serving the wishes of the lobbyists or the um, basically um, improperly installed into power government officials. And by improperly installed into power, I mean unfair election process and other corrupt, corrupt situations that are happening in the bloated government that yeah. the bureaucracy in the United States and government right now is outrageous. It is outrageous, and uh, the thing that concerns me is uh, whether you're Republican, Democratic, conservative, or progressive, to see the uh, dual system of justice, to see playing favorites, weaponizing the uh, Department of Justice, as well as the FBI and other federal agencies, the uh, IRS. Uh, Can you comment on that? Any thoughts? Well, um, in, 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 in short, Karl Marx would be very happy. Because everything that he had envisioned for the global march of communism, socialism, however you want to term it at this point in time, Karl Marx, Lenin, they would all be happy because all of their ideas of 
happen of of affecting the thinking of the people that uh, socialist measures will be good for them. This is all small steps and large steps. Americans do not understand what is going on right now in the large scheme of things. This is all a march of socialism onto the American uh, territory as well as the world. Because whatever the redistribution of power is without proper electorate uh, systems in place, and I think our system is too corrupt at this place to call it proper, um, it's all installing into power people who are absolutely unqualified to lead the government and to serve the people. You know, Marina, I, I've read your book, uh, My Life Through My Dresses by Marina Berkovich. I strongly encourage our listeners to uh, get a copy. It's such an interesting read. But one of the things that, uh, of course, uh, uh, the Soviet Union was atheist. I mean, they did not, uh, or they frowned on the practice of religion. Now you are the co-founder of the uh, Southwest Florida uh, Jewish Historical Society. Uh, can you comment on the uh, oh, the what happened in Russia compared to here in the United States? So in the Soviet Union, um, at the tar- after the, shortly after the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917, they abolished uh, religion and forced the people to abandon God, um, which, you know, it was enforced through military means, and they were actually killing people. They closed the, most of the religious institutions, and they were persecuting people for being religious. So by the time I was growing up in the 60s and 70s, they replaced religion with Lenin. So we worshipped Lenin, like people in China worshipped Mao. Um, basically, you know, from a very young age, from the age of three or four, and through uh, nursery school and kindergarten, um, Lenin's ideology was instilled in us like religion, very much like religion is taught to young children. Hmm. However, uh, the promise of um, religion is the betterment of a human being. And it actually, if, if a person believes in God and if a person follows the, God, the teachings of God, no matter what religion we're talking about, whatever their God is, usually that the religion actually is serving the betterment of a human being. I'm not talking about the organized religion. I'm talking about the conceptual, theological ideology of socialism and communism actually pretends to serve the people. And that's what's happening in the United States right now. The pretense is happening. Mm -hmm. They're pretending they're still serving us while they're enriching themselves. And it's, um, and it's, it's such a sad thing to have already lived through that and escaped from it to only find it happening in America all over again. And Marina, it's I, not news. Socialism has been in America since the early 20th century. Um, just, you know, Americans should remember to read um, uh, 10 Days That Shook the World by um, John Reed. John Reed, I think his name is John Reed, I blanked out for a moment. But he was a very famous American journalist who actually lived in the Soviet Union. The film Reds is about him. People should be reminded of that. Absolutely. All ideals that don't work in practice. Marina, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here. And I want to remind our listeners that your book is My Life Through My Dresses. I hope you'll check it out by Marina Berkovich. Marina, I just genuinely appreciate you coming on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob. And anytime you invite me, I'll be there. Thank you. Thank you, Marina. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on The Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Gain the skills you want so you'll be in demand by employers. That's what Hodges University's workforce readiness is all about. Choose your specialty from EV technician, automation, robotics, 
real estate, insurance, and electronics, to programming boot camps, supply chain management, and more. These classes are online, affordable, and focused on what you need to know. Learn more today by visiting Hodges.edu and clicking on Workforce Readiness. Because with Hodges University, you'll stay near and go far. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He's the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. And I was never mayor of Naples. Good morning. <laughs> what? Yeah. By the way, living in Belize, and I have to say, I'm experiencing a little bit of envy as a result. But I, I have, in my imagination, it just seems like such a wonderful decision to move there. Well, I, it's it's fantastic. My question is, when I lived in Goodland, you think they could have? Would I was I eligible to be mayor of Naples from Goodland? No. <laughs> no. No. Okay. <laughs> Just, so, so Seton, you wrote a column, uh, Hey, Biden, FTC, not all market share consolidation is bad. This is an important column, and I'm, uh, I'm happy that we're going to be talking about it. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, it just occurred to me because, you know, um, I've been writing about the FTC being completely out of control and blocking everything, and, and the, the, the statute for the 1970s sets the, the dollar amount threshold minimum uh, before the uh, FTC and the DOJ, because remember, the, the FTC is a quasi-creature of the Department of Justice. Remember, we have all these alleged independent agencies, of which the FTC is considered one. But really, they kind of operate under the DOJ. And they run, you know, uh, when it gets really obnoxious, they, they, they run concurrent blockages. You know, the DOJ will block it, and the FTC will block it. So they kind of, it's like a, it's like, you know, it's, it's Kamala Harris's favorite Venn diagram. <laughs> right, there's, a, there's an over, there's an overlap in the middle of of what these two entities do, and the threshold in statute from the '70s is 101 million dollars mm-hmm. of combined value of the two companies merging or or one acquiring the other. Before you know, if it's 101 million of combined value, the government gets involved. Well, in 2023 $20, dollars, especially hyperinflated by the government, that's nothing. That's that's you know. That's that's your show and my podcast merging, and I don't even have a podcast <laughs> merging, and that's one hundred one million dollars. Yeah, um, in, in, in combined value. So anyway, looking at all of this, um, you, you know, I'm as I said from the beginning of when I started looking at the FTC, I'm not opposed to all activity. It's Google controls ninety two percent of the search market in the United States, right? I have a problem with that. I would like to have the government look at that. That's an issue. Right. And, uh, you know, and it doesn't even have to be that quite that large of a, of a market domination for me to say, okay, you should probably look at that. Um, the, 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 they, they're handling a case right now that they shouldn't be handling that I think serves as a great uh, visual aid for what, when they should and shouldn't get involved. In, in this particular sector, specifically, there's the airline industry has four huge carriers: uh, Southwest, Delta, American, and United. They are far and fifth place can't see fourth place. Southwest, from where they're standing, um, it's four, and then they control like eighty five percent 
of the passenger traffic each year. So, I mean, they dominate. That's that's the big four, okay? Yep. Now, currently, the, the, the FTC is trying to block a merger between numbers six and seven, which are Spirit and uh, JetBlue. Again, six and seven, I think, combined is 5% of passenger traffic. Right. So if you combine them, they're 5%. Now, the, the FTC is trying to block this. I'm saying it would be great if three or four of the also-rans got together. Yeah. And cobbled together, you know, cobbled together 10% of the market share. And then maybe they could compete with the big four. That would be fine with me. Why are you blocking these two pipsqueaks? Why? Because they're defending the big four, but that's a that's a separate issue. Well, but that. here's the thing: you could share resources, or you could use uh, all kinds of resources can be shared, and therefore create more value for the customer as a result, and more profitability that's to the companies. So, uh, to me, but but, but 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 again, this is the FTC operates through the consumer interest perspective. How does this help help or harm the consumer? And it's very hard to argue that this merger harms the consumer. Right. And I'm arguing it, in fact, helps. Now, change the players a little bit. I say, okay, if one of the big four is acquiring JetBlue or one of the big four is acquiring Spirit, I'd have a problem with that. Right. Because now you're really further consolidating the marketplace in a way that harms consumers. Right. And I said, of course, the worst case of, you know, imagine American and United merging. Yeah. <laughs> you know, now you've got a real market share problem. But the market share consolidation of roughly 2.5% and roughly 2.5% of JetBlue and Spirit is not harming consumers. It's helping and consumers. It's, 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 it's hopefully creating some semblance of a fifth competitor to the big four. Um, and so that, that's just what I'm saying. Again, I'm not totally opposed to FTC action, but I'm I'm up to, I'm vehemently opposed to this hyperactivity. At you know, in defense of the biggest players in this particular. Uh, okay, just to summarize here, so we have this uh, figure of 101 uh, billion dollars, I believe. Million. Yes. So uh, to 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 perhaps trigger a possible investigation by the uh, the F. It's FTC and FTC or the DOJ or both. All right. Go ahead. And so uh, basically they're using this as a rule of thumb and they're just not liking consolidation at all. They're not looking at the merits of it for the consumer. They're just deciding they're to They're not go- applying it, it looks like it's from from the outside in it looks like they're not applying any thought whatsoever. Yeah. They're looking at any you know they're looking at this tiny threshold and and seeing it as a green light to blanket block any economic activity in the private sector. And that's obviously very problematic if you'd like to have, you know, an economy. Absolutely, Seton. I really appreciate your uh, pointing out these important issues because they are so important. You're talking about a bureaucracy that's getting in the way of commerce, of moving forward with uh, uh, greater value for the customer. And uh, the, the and these are unelected officials. I mean, they shouldn't. <laughs> we we just have to streamline somehow get rid of the deep state. But I really appreciate these this commentary. I want to point out uh, your website is lessgovernment.org. Lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. 
Office is located at 9015 Stratostel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. ask yourself why people are the way they are. If you're fascinated by human behavior and you want to make a career of it, you know where you need to start? Hodges University with a bachelor's degree in applied psychology. Your professors are practicing professionals that bring your classes to life with life chat discussions and various projects. You know, having a deeper understanding of what motivates people can lead to careers in counseling, sales, human resources. Your passion can be your career. So get started today. What are you waiting for? Visit Hodges.edu or stop by their campus in Fort Myers. They're at the corner of Colonial and Winkler. Because with Hodges University, you're going to stay near and go far. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, they get the politics and know the policy. They help prepare elected officials to have a winning strategy in the legislature. And you can find out more by visiting thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. He'll always be Mayor Bill to me. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, thanks, Bob. As I say, it's been one of, uh, over the years, a great pleasure to, to uh, be with you um, and catch up on local news uh, and see what's going on around here, which there always seems to be something. <laughs> you know, and, hey, Bill, uh, uh, it just reminds me, uh, Blue Provence is a place that we've been together and enjoyed, and uh, they won the Wine Spectator Grand Award, now one of the top 100 wine sellers in the world. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty yeah. good distinction. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. It certainly is. I saw that. Um, and... Uh, you know, you've been a fan of theirs, and, and I have too, for that matter, um, for about as long as they've been open. Yeah. Um, you know, great food and great wine, and good for them. They they, they deserve that. They That's certainly, certainly do. Worth, worth a kudo. I see that um, uh, the uh, Conservancy finally settled that, um, that, that lawsuit with the developer on the uh, rural lands. Um, village that's going to be built out there, that river of grass, as they were calling it. Yeah. And they're going to be preserving... Um, of uh, 655 acres or 635 acres will be preserved during that um, that building of that village out there, and I think that's great. Yeah, there's going to be three um, villages, as I understand it. And yeah. I, so, what are your thoughts on that? Is this something you support? I do, Bob, because you know they've been they've been. It's going to be done first class. First of all, I mean that that's important, and I don't mean first class where they're going to be million and billion dollar units, et cetera. Um, and it's going to be done with a lot of careful planning. Collier company is, uh, you know, they do, they do really nice work. And this is something that's just been, been in the works for a long time. And I, I don't see the, the real downside to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and the conservancy now, you know, having the conservancy happy is a big thing. Um, because they are, they they are, uh, you know, they're a tough group and they're a good group and they've done a lot of protecting of, of uh, Naples wildlife and um, um, and and watching pretty much everything for as long as I can remember and that's a long time. Um, so I think it's going to be good. I do. Um, 
Well, that's, that's good. My opinion only, but I'm sure I have others with me, and some that are that just didn't want it. Period. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, two, two things uh, two, of note is that first of all, they're going to uh, focus on affordable housing. In other words, make it available right. for at prices that. Uh, you know, people that are serving us in various capacities, police department, fire department, and uh, waiters and so forth, uh, can afford uh, to at least to look at. But in addition to that, they want, they're going to establish businesses out there and create a, a community so that actually people can be close to where they might work. Right. And, and that, you know, that's a, that's a big thing. You don't, you know, it's not really comparable to Ave Maria, even though Ave Maria came out beautifully, you know, wonderful, wonderful little place to live. And um, uh, uh, if you've been out that way, it's like amazing. It's all of a sudden out of nowhere. Right. But it's going to be it, be along those lines. And I think it's a great idea. Not that I want people to stay away from the city of Naples and enjoying what we have to offer, but it gives them something. You know, you, we talked about that a long time. Remember when they first started building... Um, Orange Blossom, way out on the East Trail. Um, and, and it was the thought then um, that maybe that's the way it w you know, we were going to be going. Um, and to some extent it did. I mean, they have publics out there. They have other things. But they don't have the little shops and stores and things that they need. Right. So they still have to travel into the county to do that. But um, I think these, uh, as you said, the new villages, that's exactly what they're going to offer so that they can, people can work and um, and uh, have the businesses and everything, you know, near or live right near where they work, which is great. Absolutely, Bill. Well, you know, Tim is fugit, as the old saying goes, and uh, right now we're here into <laughs> July, and we're looking at elections coming up in February, I believe it is, for uh, yeah, city council yeah, and mayor. Absolutely. And I just wonder if you could give us some comments and any updates. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a few comments for sure and some updates there. <laughs> There's a lot of talk. I think uh, some of the and, and as I say, what I give you is not necessarily fact, but things that I have have heard and yep. uh, as they as they materialize into something that's uh, absolutely guaranteed, I'll pass that along. But um, from what I've seen and some in writing that uh, I see, Alfie Oaks is going to uh, going to get involved with city politics um, and. Um, that he is allegedly backing um, Ted Blankenship to be to run for mayor, which I have a really difficult time with. I like Ted, um, he, but he hasn't even finished his first term on council. And um, the mayor, uh, Teresa Heitman, has said she's definitely going to going to run for mayor because she hasn't finished things that she wanted to see get done. Well, <laughs> I, haven't seen her get, I haven't seen her get much done anyway, so yeah. I don't know what that means. Yeah. Um, and as far as council goes and uh, mayoral candidates, there's, um, there's still some talk out there, and um, which I do believe that, that there's going to be certainly uh, uh, a few mayoral candidates uh, in, in the race. And some, hopefully, some new city council candidates. How about Gary um, Price? Is Gary going to run for for mayor? Yes. Great. I, I, I. As far as I know, now again, I said at the beginning, um, these are things that you hear. Um, I would say that that is more positive that he will, other than he wouldn't. Okay, um, at this stage, and I think candidly, Bob, um, that I think it would be a great thing. I do too. Um, he. Gary, Gary just absolutely knows the city. He's well respected. He's served his council terms, uh, um, and he's going to have a lot of support in that community if that's what he decides to do. You know, he lost his home in the um, in the hurricane, and they're rebuilding um, in at the same spot, and uh, it's coming along. And you know, so he's had some issues that he's had to deal with, obviously. Yeah. But um, uh, let's. Keep our fingers crossed that yeah, he is one that will announce. That would be nice. Well, he's he uh, he is respected by everybody in in that type of a position. I think he'd just be a major upgrade for the city to have him as our mayor. So yes, yes, I I I absolutely <coughs> agree with that. And um, you know, getting some 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 flack. Um, people are upset. Or um, I see a lot of letters and um, some emails and things that. You know why the beach ends aren't complete yet. You know, I mean, Ian, it's, it's been a, it's been a while since Ian and they 
seem to be having a problem completing the beacons. But I think what people don't realize on, on defense of the city is the fact that they can't just go put more sand and dirt and everything else down. So of these structures that were holding those beacons up, you know, they had, they had um, uh, some barriers in there. They had other material that would keep them and where they'd hold their shape, et cetera. Yeah. And uh, which were totally destroyed. So it's not just a matter of putting a, uh, a crew in there and saying, well, let's fix the beach end, uh, you know, on Bob Harden Street today. So yeah. they're working on it. Bill, I tell you, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. And uh, next Thursday, Bob, uh, we'll be hitting the road. So, but we'll still talk to you. Sounds great. Thank you so much, Take Bill. Take care, Bob. You Bye. too. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some terrific guests for tomorrow's show as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, uh, pass the word. It's one of the ways we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>